Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the next episode of Inside the Phillies. I'm Kay Kistner here with Lauren Amore, Alex Carr, Leo Morgenstern, and Declan Harris. Glad to have you guys back. I'm actually sitting over here in Texas right now getting ready to uh, cover this Rangers-Phillies series. But before that, we want to kind of go over the, the previous week. Um, Phillies just won six of their last eight, which I think almost everyone here predicted. So good job. Pat on the back. We all know ball, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know first off you know before we get into the preview and other things like that and some predictions let's talk about what happened last week went six and eight like we all predicted but it kind of happened in a very strange weird baseball way yeah um i know last week i was almost a hundred percent certain that the phillies were going to lose the game against sandy alcantara and they won that game uh, and of course, they lost the game that I was at, um, the Reese Hoskins game, <laughs> where he had six RBI. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a reminder that the bullpen is the bullpen need, desperately needs help and is also the outing that uh, prompted Corey Knable being pushed out of the closer role. It was such a weird gaggle of games. Um I mean, I I feel like every game that they were supposed to lose or that it felt like for the majority of the game that they were going to lose, they ended up winning. And then the ones that they were absolutely supposed to win, you know, the ones where they're up by four runs and, and, and Reese Hoskins has already, you know, put up three meaningful extra base hits. Um, you know, they were probably supposed to win that one. They were probably supposed to beat a guy named Jackson Tatro or however you say <laughs> that had an ERA uh, over 15, 15 coming into the 15 game ERA. <laughs> and of course he, he cruised through seven innings. I mean, like it was just, it was unpredictable, but it was also totally predictable and in the best way. I mean, I think everybody's going to settle for 15 and three in the month of June, unless anybody has any objections. Not, not going to object to that. I was, <laughs> was going to say, I think the most surprising win to me was winning both games of a doubleheader, which I've just given up hope of ever yeah. happening. I remember you saying that last week. You're like, they're absolutely not winning both games of that doubleheader. <laughs> but what we got, uh, and like the number one reason I didn't think they could do that is because I presumed it was going to be a bullpen game in the second game. Maybe you get three or four innings out of Bailey Falter. But he did a, he did a good job. He kept them in the game. And then the game they ended up losing a couple days later was the one that had to be a bullpen game after Eflin came out after two innings. So it's, I mean, we were still annoyed by the bullpen, but they, <laughs> they swept a doubleheader. So I'm, I'm happy this week. Which let's talk about uh, Zach Eflin for a second. Um, so he left his last start or not the start on Sunday, but the start before that early after just 80 pitches. And there was some concern about, surrounding his knee and his he's had nagging knee knee issues for a while um and he had to get a procedure done last year and it ended his 2021 season so i mean what what should the phillies do moving forward if it's like a serious injury i think it's really interesting uh i was i was reading in the athletic today matt gelb put up a little notes piece um and he mentioned you know the phillies have really made an effort to avoid the starting pitching market. Um, you know, the open free agency market for the last, well, I don't even know how long it's been since they last dipped their toes, uh, except for, you know, Zach Wheeler, obviously, but like looking for middle starters, middle of the rotation starters has never been a thing for them. Like they have avoided that market at all costs, probably since like Jake Arietta, who was yep. signed as a front end starter. But like, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild. They, they haven't really dipped their toes into that market in a while. So personally, I think that they probably should explore upgrading at the deadline. Um, even if that means shifting Ranger Suarez, you know, to the bullpen, if that means working with a six man rotation, but when you look at the litany of arms that are available, like, you know, uh, Tyler Maley, um, uh, Luis Castillo, uh, the Rockies are going to sell everything that they possibly can. Um, I mean, there's there's going to be so Frankie Montas, like to name just a few. Um, there's going to be so many arms out there. And the Phillies have, as much as I hate to say it, a dispensable top 100 prospect. Um, I think it's probably something they should explore. 
just given the concerns surrounding Eflin and the concerns also surrounding Ranger Suarez. Yeah, I mean, you also look at last year at the deadline. I mean, they did go out and get Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy from the Rangers, so they kind of did explore that. The rotation was in absolute shambles, you know, coming up on this time last season. So, I mean, it, they've done it before, especially when they feel like they have a chance to win. You have this extra playoff spot, this extra wild card spot now. And so I think that's you're absolutely right. And there are a lot of teams right now that are absolutely tanking. They have no opportunity to make the postseason. And they almost all of them have arms uh, that they can that they can trade and they will. So, Cade, I have a question for you. Yes. You are very familiar with Hans Kraus, and they acquired him at the same time from Texas when they got Gibson and Kennedy. I mean, do you think the Phillies expected him to be at a better in a better spot right now? Because I know he's been disappointing in the minors this year. Yeah, so Hans Kraus, when he was drafted, I think in 2017, I think it was like second round, right? He was seen as a guy that could potentially become a frontline starter. I mean, he had this electric fastball with a ton of movement. He had a really nasty changeup to go with it. Uh, and, and he always kind of had issues with command. And then he started having some elbow issues whenever he was coming up through the minor leagues and missed some time. And that electric fastball really kind of diminished um and, and and his change up to kind of you know diminished a little bit as he kind of started to try and come back from those el you know, elbow injuries which are notoriously difficult and so he's now had to transform himself from this you know flame throwing fire breathing type pitcher to or really thrower right and transform himself into this command you know oriented picture and that transition really hasn't gone as well uh, as I think the Phillies would have hoped. I also think it's a big reason why the Rangers were so willing to let go of him in that package, along with the litany of arms right now that are making up the Rangers um, minor league system and the lack of arms with high, you know, high potential in the Phillies form. Yeah. What's funny is at that time, um, Spencer Howard and Hans Kraus were a little bit of mirrors of one another um, in that Hans Kraus has dealt with a great deal of injuries throughout his minor league career. Spencer Howard had a, you know, had a couple of setbacks, uh, but no like real serious injuries. He just struggled to stay on the field and was also, you know, he was a, he was a red shirt. Uh, when he was drafted and just continued to like, he was, he was pitching out of the bullpen. They were both drafted second round, both like very promising arms stuff wise. Both have kind of just not panned out to this point. And Hans Kraus uh, granted has been hurt for a significant, I mean, he's, he's hardly touched the field this year. Um, but I think that where the Phillies were coming out with that was like, you know, they get a guy in Kyle Gibson that helps them now and is controllable and they get a risky, you know, wild card arm that has a pedigree uh, and they trade their risky wild card arm that has a pedigree that, I mean, who knows what's going on with Spencer Howard right now. It's just not looking good over there. Uh, and uh, Spencer Howard threw last night uh, at AAA. I uh, threw five innings. Uh, let's see. What, yeah, through five innings. I think he gave up one run. And as my buggy put it, um, yeah, five innings, three hits, one run, nine strikeouts. And apparently he appeared to put everything together, avoiding both the control lapses that has marred his two recent scoreless outings and the multi-run inning that has marred his otherwise solid start from last Tuesday. Um, and he has also really only started to throw the changeup as well as his fastball. Um, and he's starting to throw his curve a little bit more, which apparently he's finding some significant success with. So apparently he's kind of maybe starting to figure it out in AAA with the Rangers. Ah, uh, we'll yeah. see. I, yeah, we heard that before when he was when here. I, yeah. <laughs> when I watched his one start against the Blue Jays this year, uh, I mean, I felt really bad. He yeah. just, he let up, I think it was like six home runs, just 450 foot shot after another. 
Um, yeah. You know, and that's we'll by inning, you know, multi-run inning that, you know, Scott Lucas of the Newberg Report was kind of talking about is, you know, that and the control issues. I mean, when you have control issues and you're prone to give up the long ball and you don't really have a whole lot of, you know, control over your fastball, which he really hasn't all season and he really didn't last season, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you know, giving up four or five runs in inning and, and you know, you're get the bullpen ready, baby, you know? Yeah, it's, it's rough, but at the same time, you know, that trade is yet to be, you know, who knows Kevin Gowdy might come out and do something. Uh, I don't know, maybe who knows, but either way, Kyle Gibson has helped the Phillies now and Hans Krauss is a, is a TBD. Yeah. I was just uh, thinking kind of like looping back to the whole entire conversation of like the Phillies rotation uh, and making trades for it, who would you patch up? Because I feel like I know I had touched on it in the article I'd done recently about Eflin. I think he's good. I think he has the potential to be a solid number three, but he's kind of been injury prone. Would we trade for a fix for him or someone like Ranger Suarez who really isn't getting the job done as of late? But yeah, I don't know how to put it. Well, I think they, if they're going to do anything with Ranger Suarez, let's move him to the bullpen because the bullpen needs help. Uh, as I said earlier, <laughs> um, Eflin, I, it's only if his injury is serious. Um, I know he's, he's been inconsistent this year, but I mean, it's only if he goes down with an injury and it puts him out the rest of the season because they cannot, they don't have enough starting pitching depth to replace him down the stretch, they would need to acquire someone to replace him in the rotation. I, I wonder about Ranger Suarez though, is, is there something that any of you have seen that makes you think he would do better in the bullpen this year? Because his own, his only problem hasn't just been going deep in games and it hasn't just been losing gas. Why do you think he might do better in the bullpen? This is something that I've been like, I've been looking into it a lot. Um, They've really they've shifted his pitch mix a lot this year, throwing the slider a lot more. Um, and then the, the the fastball has lost a really good deal of bite. Um, you know, instead of sitting 95, 96, uh, you know, he's he's chilling in low 90s land uh, right now, maybe topping out at the, the occasional 94. So it's worrisome. Um, it's he looks like a very different pitcher. Uh, he's not attacking hitters. He's not commanding his fat. I mean, his fastball was the third best pitch in baseball last year by, by run value. I mean, he was unbelievable for whatever reason. It's not the same pitch and therefore he's not the same pitcher. Um, it's concerning. I think a lot of it probably has to do with his inability to ramp up to the season. I think, uh, you know, you can't give up on him yet, but right now where the Phillies stand, it might be wise, especially because they lose both Gibson and Eflin to free agency next year might be wise to look for an option uh, that has team control. Uh, and that way you can kind of bump Ranger Suarez to the bullpen, let him have a year and come back next year. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking about Ranger Suarez as well. You look at his workload last season and he was so used to pitching out of the bullpen. And then you bring him in for that really second half of the season, you ramp him up to a starter's workload pretty quickly He's putting up, you know, he's going deeper in games. And then all of a sudden, he really doesn't have a spring training. And like you said, Alex, he hasn't really ramped up to that full, you know, workload. He's kind of like last year, kind of been rushed into this role that the Phillies, quite frankly, need him to play right now. And I think that that probably has something to do with it. But it's one of those things where it's kind of like a, you know, a, a power curve, right? Like, can you ever actually catch up to the curve you know whenever you're you're continually putting in these innings and it's like okay well at some point fatigue has to set in and it, you know where is it kind of where does it stop how do you fix the problem because like you said last season every time ranger took the bump i mean you knew the phillies had a very good chance of competing and now it's it's a wild card. You're scared he might give up, you know, four or five runs in the first two innings. And then his next outing, he might put up, you know, four or five scoreless. So it's one of those things where, like you say, Alex, I think you kind of have to start looking for maybe a, a potential fix or solution at the deadline. 
I'm starting to believe that we had to sacrifice uh, Ranger Suarez for to get Aaron Nola back, the real Aaron <laughs> Nola. Um, <laughs> I feel like, you know, Ranger Suarez coming into the rotation last year and being as dominant as he was, it sort of made up for Aaron Nola not being who we wanted him to be. But now Aaron Nola's back. I think it's I think it's interesting because um, you know, it feels like these things shouldn't have to offset each other, right? But you know, in the Phillies community, they so often do. Um, and it it it's just it's so sad to to see those things happen. But for me, to answer your question, Declan, I think that um what would probably be their what would behoove them the most is putting Ranger Suarez back in the bullpen. Uh, you know, probably sending Nick Nelson down, uh, who has two minor league options, which is great because he's very obviously a good major league baseball pitcher. Um, just maybe not if you try to extend him over, you know, nine outs of baseball. Um, but that's another story for another time. I think if you give Ranger Suarez the long relief role or like a fireman role, maybe he sees that uptick in velocity and he doesn't have to pitch every fifth day and stay on this, you know, constant uh cyclical you know routine that's obviously not working for him and then you trade for somebody like you know Tyler Maley just happens to be my favorite guy that's going to be available so I would love for the Phillies to trade for Tyler Maley but you know that's going to be someone that can you can carry over to next year as well and not have to spend an exorbitant amount of money in the free agent market I think I'm a lot less gung-ho than Alex and maybe some of the rest of you about moving Suarez to the bullpen, just because I think even though he hasn't been living up to expectations, they're still getting a guy who throws five innings a start with an ERA in the low to mid fours, which is maybe not ideal for a team that's relying on their starting rotation to get to the postseason, but it is still probably a more valuable player than you're getting even from a pretty high-end reliever. But because of the injury concerns with Eflin, I'm, I'm slowly starting to tip into they need another starting pitcher because if Eflin goes down and they haven't added another starting pitcher, they're toast. And the fact that Suarez can go to the bullpen gives them that flexibility. So I'm, I'm hesitant about it. I still think even with his struggles, he's a good starter or good enough starter, but I'm starting to lean into the other territory too. You know, I think that's a really good point because, I mean, no matter what you knew that he was going to, um, you know, lo- regress. Like the expect, yeah, regress. That was the word I was looking for. I was thinking of digress and I'm like, I know that's not right. Um, I mean, I mean it could be in some situations, but yeah. well, now we're digressing. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Um. But, I mean, he set the bar so high last year. I mean, you know that he wasn't going to be that same guy this year. So I do think you have a good point that – and, you know, we've talked about the Phillies, like, flip-flopping players a lot and what it does to them, uh, you know, mentally. Uh, So, I mean, like you said, I'm glad that, it you know, he gives them that flexibility, but ultimately it might not be the best decision. Yeah, I might not have made myself clear enough. I think I'm definitely more in the Leo camp than I am in my own camp that I just was. Um, <laughs> so I think that with with Ranger Suarez, what's great about him is that he has the mentality to be anything he wants to be. Um, so I don't think you have to worry about, I am going to call it this and it's just going to be what it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the Scott Kingery effect. Um, when it comes to somebody like yeah. Ranger Suarez, I feel like. Um, that being said... It's the Eflin injury struggles are what's pushing me over the edge to want the Phillies to go out and acquire a starter, as well as the fact that I think it's economical with the talent that they have right now at their disposal, as well as what they're looking at big picture next year. I ultimately think Ranger Suarez is is a starting pitcher. I think that's where he will end up long term in his career. I just think right now, based on the fact that he really had a hard time getting warmed up into the you know into into the season I, I I think that it might be proper to give him at least a little bit of time to like kind of refine his spark I guess or refine that that uptick in velocity and then if Eflin goes down then I think you can 
sort of reintegrate Suarez into the rotation. I don't know. It's just, it's a hard situation to deal with, but in the end, it's really nice for them to have the flexibility that Ranger Suarez gives them, like Lauren said. Um, so speaking of the bullpen, since we're talking about it so much, uh, why hasn't Sir Anthony been made the closer yet? Can anyone, <laughs> can anyone tell me that? <laughs> uh, so I actually was thinking about this the other night because I saw this all over Facebook and Twitter. And I think for the most part is that Dominguez has been lauded as the future closer of the Phillies for you know so long and you know you have the injury issues and things like that that you bring him in this season he's doing really well in the role that he is playing and I think Alex you mentioned this in the last podcast of you know putting players in positions that they are not set up to succeed right and that was an issue that Girardi had and so for me I look at this as a, as the new manager and I go, we've got a guy who is an absolute lockdown guy in the position that I employ him in. Right. And in the situations that I employ him in now, do I want to go ahead and take that and put him into a situation where the pressure is higher and one that he really hasn't had any experience doing where I have another guy like Brad hand, who maybe doesn't have the same stuff, but he does have that mentality, that closer mentality. So let's give that a shot. I understand where Thompson's coming from. I understand why Dominguez has not been, been put in that position, but I also think that time is coming very soon. Um, Sir Anthony did have 16 saves in 2018. So oh, get owned, Kane. <laughs> he he oh, has Before you some... know he got hurt. Yeah, he has some experience years. in the closers role. Not as much as Brad Hand, but he does have some experience. And Right, 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 right. The interesting thing, I think, okay, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm a very big picture guy. I look unnecessarily five years into the future, and it's just, it's because I play a lot of out-of-the-park baseball, I guess. Um, but I think that ultimately, in the grand scheme, Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to be more valuable to you as a closer than, I mean, any reliever is going to be more valuable to you as a closer than he is going to be a fireman, right? And so the role that he's in right now, he's excelling. He's doing great. But this team has not had a closer since Ken Giles. Like, the, that is the, the, and even then, Ken Giles wasn't pitching as a closer. Jonathan Papabon was. So, I mean, this is something that this team has desperately needed for eight years. Um, and I think that when you see what Sir Anthony Dominguez is doing in the high pressure cooker moments that he is, um, I mean, look the other day, the, the, the 2-1 game in the 10th inning. Uh, no problem. Not a trouble yeah. in the world. And there was a man on second. Like, uh, the guy is very clearly, you know, back in all italics, capital letters, bolded. Um, and so... I think now's the time personally. Um, that being said, I understand why people are hesitant to move him from the role that he is flourishing in and should be an all-star for. Um, but you know, my immediate thought when I watched that inning, that, that 10th inning that you're talking about, I was like, Hmm, it's almost like he should have been in, in the ninth when it was a one, nothing. What a concept crazy. But however, I, I do understand the argument of like moving him and jeopardizing, like how well he's doing and kind of disrupting that stride that he is going. Um, but I mean, I just, you, you're not going to get that lock those lockdown innings like with Brad Hand. I Sir Anthony Dominguez, I wish we could clone him. I wish we could have him. I wish we could keep him in this, you know, like the setup role or whatever he's in now and a closer role. I wish we could have him for both somehow, but sat, unfortunately we cannot. But I do think it is the right move to move him to the closer's role now rather than later. To, uh, to give my two cents on Rob Thompson's bullpen management since they took Knebel out of the closer's role. I, I think that, I think he actually has used Sir Anthony in the right way so far. There's been sort of two save situations 
And uh, the first time he used Sir Anthony in the eighth inning against the Nationals, because you had the, their, uh, I think, four, five, and six hitters coming up. So if he got all of them out, then the ninth inning would be their seven, eight, nine guys. And so there was, it was almost the eighth was, might've actually been the higher leverage inning and maybe the smarter time to use your best arm. And then the next time, the inning that Hand ultimately blew the save, you did have, you had Juan Soto coming up first, a left-hander, and Brad Hand has been, I'm pretty sure, incredible against lefties this year. So maybe, maybe I'm doing too, maybe too big brain about it and trying to think about the perfect matchups. But for just two games, I'm, I'm okay with Thompson's bullpen usage there. The ultimate question becomes, and again, this is me looking unnecessarily into the future. Would you rather promote Sir Anthony Dominguez to closer and sign him to a very nice cushy extension or go out next year uh, on the free agent market and spend what did Ryzen Iglesias get like 70 million this offseason? Yeah. Edwin Diaz is going to get like a lot. Would you rather? give Sir Anthony Dominguez the opportunity now to blossom into a really nice, uh, cute, wonderful, amazing closer? Or would you rather go out and spend a significant amount of your off-season cash on a closer? Like Edwin Diaz, who in his own right is terrifying to watch. To answer your question, Alex, um, honestly, signing a closer in free agency makes me very nervous. Um, I know Edwin, Edwin Diaz has been great for the Mets. Uh, he also has a spectacular uh, song when he comes into the game. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> like, that's the type of stuff that, like, gives you chills when they come in. Um, but I would say make Sir Anthony the closer and give him a deal. Uh, I just – I know that – and I know that kind of seems like the – maybe the wrong answer. But um, I don't know, just I am very like I get very nervous when it comes to signing free agent closers, because whenever they come here, something happens to them uh, and they are not as, uh, you know, shut down, locked down uh, closers that they were. They put on a Phillies uniform and they become cursed uh, so far. <laughs> I haven't seen that with Sir Anthony, fingers crossed. So I I think I'm going to go with, you know, paying Sir Anthony, making him the closer. I mean, yeah, and again, you don't have to pay him. I just think that at this point, seeing what he has done after, you know, undergoing two Tommy John surgeries, not pitching for three years, coming back and being amazing, I think it's time to start talking about from within, you know, an extension. If, if possible, buy out his remaining arbitration years, um, you know, get him and keep him here for a little bit longer for maybe a little bit more friendly of a deal. Um, you know, obviously, depending on how the season transpires from here on out, if you make him that closer, I mean, it's probably time to start talking about that. I, I totally get where Lauren's coming from about being scared to pay big money to a free agent reliever. And that was my gut feeling, too. Um, but then I think, well, we've been watching the Phillies not pay big money for a free agent closer for a long time, and we've been watching a terrible bullpen. And so maybe my gut feeling and what has been the Phillies' gut feeling, maybe that doesn't work, and maybe it is just time to go out and pay whatever it takes for Edwin Diaz. Don't worry, Leo. Ken Giles is hitting the market again this winter too, so it's it's time. It's time for a reunion. I was going to say, just like – Maybe just give Sir Anthony just like I see him like do it in the NBA sometimes. Just give him like little small year deals just so you can see if it works. If it works on a two year deal at the end of that two years, give him a bigger one and then see if that goes. But you know, maybe just give him like a one year extension, see how it goes before it's like give him a trial run before yeah. going out. Writing out arbitration is definitely something that is common. Um, I just you know, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Like you have a guy here that has been so locked down this year after enduring so much, like, you know, he's obviously, he's really well liked within the team, within the organization. Um, just because they obviously, they had so much faith in him, right. To keep him tendered while he was recovering and recovering and recovering. I mean, 
I don't know. I just, I like his chances. I want to see Sir Anthony thrive because he's, he's gone through so much. And like, I don't know. There's just something so awesome about him being here. And it's something that hasn't gotten touched on a lot well, this year. So the story he is. There's always something about the homegrown guys too. Yeah. I mean, I, I always feel like that's why the 2018 was always like, you know, they're just, they're special obviously because they won the world series, but just, they had a lot of homegrown players on that team. Yeah. And I think it's just you want to see those guys succeed, especially especially since the Phillies farm system has been depleted for many years. So whatever uh, good you can get out of it, uh, you want to take advantage of it. Yeah, I think and just for my two cents, I'm not that it really matters, though, is I just think that the you know relievers are just naturally volatile. So here's my two cents on this and not that really matters. But the reliever position is just so volatile we've seen you know the phillies go ahead and bring in you know these lockdown closers and then just kind of you know disappear and become a shell of them former selves i but, love brendan workman right, right but then you know i've also seen you know, take a look at jose leclerc homegrown guy with the texas rangers right absolute lockdown guy has this like insane like slurvy pitch type thing that guys can't hit and the rangers go hey let's extend this guy and then all of a sudden where's he at yeah right so that's why it's so hard to make a decision about a reliever's future whether it might be sir anthony right if you trust him which they've shown trust and faith in him now you know, okay, maybe give them a little bit more, you know, buy out those arbitration years, extend them, give them that nice cush, you know, uh, contract. And same vein, like Leo was saying, we're, you know, we've seen it happen, you know, for the last eight, however many years, watching the Phillies have this really bad bullpen. And what have the Phillies not spent money on? So I think that that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm not really quite sure what the right answer is. So, all right, I think this is a good time to do a little ad read. So, as most of you know, we've been working with Foco USA. They're the leading brand in bobbleheads and memorabilia for really any sport, any team. But we specifically work with them on the Phillies. They've done some awesome bobbleheads. Recently, they've done a Smash the Bell series where they've uh, come out with a Reese Hoskins, Aaron Nola, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper bobblehead. Those are pretty cool as well as some other, you know, holiday thematic type bobbleheads they've also got all kinds of apparel hacks and things like that so you can go to foco.com and if you use the code fills 15 you're gonna get 15 percent off your entire order which is pretty cool so again that is foco.com and you can use the code fills 15 to pick up some bobbleheads maybe you relate on getting dag something for father's day it's never too late uh, you can also start doing it for next year you know, heck, even maybe mom wants, you know, a gardening hat or something like that. So, again, foco.com fills 15. All right. Good read, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I still got my home run hat over here. Oh, uh, heck yeah. <laughs> um, I think my – Kate, I think that is a really great point, though, about LeClerc. That is a very uh, similar situation because he got he got hurt, right? He yeah, he. Yeah. Tommy's done. Tommy's done. So. Right. So, and you know, we all know Sir Anthony's story at this point. So it's something to, you know, be aware of. Um, these things are not so cut and dry. They're risky, but I also, I don't know. I'm going to come out and refute that they haven't spent money on the bullpen. Have they spent money on, have they spent money wisely on the bullpen? No. Should they have just signed Hector Neris uh, to a two-year deal and just, put up the money instead yes. of, you know, going after it just so they could fall under the luxury tax again next year. Um, you know, uh, rather than sign Jerry's Familia and, and Brad hand, uh, granted Brad hand has been way better than I ever could have expected, but you know, rather than sign these very, uh, not good pitchers, uh, to these, you know, one year deals. Yeah. They probably Jerry's familiar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I think that, like you said, Kate, it's a volatile position. Uh, you know, the, the bullpen 
is just a, it's it's truly a crapshoot. Um, sorry if we need to censor that, but uh, it it really is. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> I was that was the joke. Okay. Um, so <laughs> really, but it really is. It's it's so volatile that like if you're gonna spend twenty five million dollars signing David Robertson and then he's gonna play seven games in a Phillies uniform and then never pitch again, you know, until he pops up with the Cubs three years later and is all of a sudden very good again. Uh, you never know. So I don't know. Personally, I think that it is always a, I mean, we're seeing what's happening with the angels and Rizal Iglesias right now. It's not always a great idea to spend a ton of money just because you haven't in the past. I don't know. It's a tough situation. One, uh, one name I think uh, we haven't really mentioned yet is uh, Corey Knable. And um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. Who do we prefer? Out of that, Corey Knable, or uh, <laughs> I feel like it's a rhetorical question. Do I have to choose? I feel like, I feel like <laughs> it's what's it called? Do we? I was just thinking because again, it's one of those contracts where do we? I don't think he's here at the end of the season. I'm not. That's not a hot take. But do you think it's a better choice? I going with someone who's done a lot in the past, who's had more save experience, or give uh, Sir Anthony his fair try? I'm going with Sir Anthony personally. Um, yeah, I mean, Corey Knebel, obviously the closers role was not working out for him. It worked out for him in April, but that was when it didn't really matter as much. Um, (laughs) and, uh, now they moved him to like a lower leverage role. And I mean, we saw if you watched the game yesterday, since it was exclusively on Peacock, but, um, um, he, he was not good yesterday either in a lower leverage spot. So, I mean, I don't really know what the Philly, I mean, they're, I guess they're just going to keep him there for the foreseeable future. Um, but I mean, he's a prime example of why I am wary of, you know, signing someone uh, signing a closer because it's just like, he was brought in for the specific role and just, you know, completely uh, looks completely lost out there. Can't even throw a strike. So I'm still not mad about what was it one year ten million for King Abel. No, right? I'm not either. Yeah, I'm still not mad about. It, but here's the thing: is you're right. Like he he has this pedigree to pitch well. What I'm wondering is it all started going downhill for him when Girardi didn't let him pitch. What was it that third day in a row and the ninth? Yeah, yeah, day. you're right. Like walked in like a pouting dog you know, in the Girardi's office and Girardi was like, nope, sorry, I have bullpen rules and I'm sticking to them until he didn't like two And then later. he didn't like three yeah. days later. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, so I, good. But it ever since like that incident and that meeting, Knable has just not been himself. And it, again, it plays into the narrative that relievers are volatile, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think that there's still hope for Knable to kind of put it back together again, uh, because we have seen it. He does have it. Um, but, you know, again, it's, is he ever going to come back to that closers role to Philly? Don't know. But is he going to be worth that 10 million, you know, this season? I think he still has a chance to kind of earn that money. I'm, uh, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Kate. I, I am kind of mad about the Knable deal because even at the time, I felt like it was Dombrowski trying to be clever. It felt so much like, it felt like a Clintac move to me, which is, I think I've, I think this guy can be better than he ever has been. And so I'm going to pay him like what I think he can be rather than what he has been in the past. And, you know, if you take, I mean, I think if you take the 10 they gave Canable and the six they gave Familia, 16 million, I mean, that could have gotten a year of Iglesias, and not that things have gone great with Iglesias, but that would have been the far smarter move at the time. Kenley Jansen, too, made yeah. 16. Oh, better, yeah, better yep. suggestion there. And so I, it's not that 10 million was too much to spend on Knable, but it it bothered it bothers me because it felt like it was trying to be, it was trying to be a clever move rather than the simplest move. Here's the thing about that, and I'm a hundred percent with you, Leo. I think that uh, it was Dombrowski trying to be clever, but I think when you're, when you're the Phillies, you kind of have to be, you have to try to be um, I, because you, you, you can't allocate $16 million to one relief pitcher when you need several, 
right? So I think that, and, and, and look, this, I'm gonna, this is a hot take and look, I'm not trying to be a Phillies defender or a Phillies apologist or whatever, but Corey Knebel losing feel for his curveball is not the Phillies fault. That is not a Phillies problem. That is his problem. He has two pitches. One of them he can't locate and the other, he just can't throw. And the reason that I believe that they've slotted him into this lower leverage role is so that he can literally just go and spam curveballs and see if he can regain the feel. Because that's the unfortunate part of having a regular season uh, that goes on for so long with so few breaks is that he can't just go out and, and throw a side session. That just doesn't happen because that causes he needs to warm up. He needs to, you know, then he's not available for the game tomorrow when he's really needed and, you know, all that stuff. It just, it's, it's not the Phillies that, you know, quote unquote ruined him. He just, for whatever reason, has lost feel for the curveball. And that's, I mean, uh, relievers are volatile. We just keep coming back to it. But who, a guy that can only throw two pitches. That is going to be the podcast title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a guy that can only throw two pitches, loses feel for one of them. And here you are. Like, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy what's happened to him. So good reliever talk. I like it. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I just feel like every time it, it's just the Phillies bullpen, right? Yeah. We can talk about it for ages. We can look back, you know, however many years. We can probably look forward however many years. How do you change it? It doesn't matter who's in charge, it, it, anything, whether from the, you know, the GM to the president of baseball operations to the manager. I mean, it, the Phillies bullpen is what it is. It's, it's, it's a running joke at this point. But as much as I love talking about that, one thing I kind of want to look towards, right, is this upcoming week until mm-hmm. the time that we record again, because it's going to be a dogfight coming up this week. You've got two games against the Texas Rangers. Uh, They're two best pitchers. Two best pitchers. They're not going to lay down. Um, their offense is getting hot. Corey Seager's been playing well. Marcus Simeon has uh, returned from the dead. Um, he's now Marcus Lazarus Simeon and (laughs) guys are, those guys are hitting real well. And then you look forward to the next one, the next series, and they've got four games uh, against the San Diego Padres who are, I mean, arguably the best team in the NL right now, unless you want to count the Mets or, you know, and they're, they're right there. They're a top three team, top four team in MLB. And you've got four games against the Padres. So six games between now and the next time, you know, this podcast is going to come out. We were spot on with our predictions last week, uh, you know, going six for eight, six games. What are you guys feeling on this one? Um, so I know for the Padres, uh, Manny Machado just went down with an ankle sprain, right? Um, yep. Do we know how long is he going to? He's going to be out for this, for the series that, that, he just got placed on the IL or he's going to be placed on the IL. Uh, okay. So at least, well, at least 10 days from yesterday. Um, I'm feeling, hmm, I am torn between a four and two or like a three and three. Optimism. Yeah. There's like, I got my optimistic side and my pessimistic side. Um, I mean, honestly, going three and three, I would be happy with. Um, obviously since the Padres have been playing very well, um, and are in first place in the NL West, which is a, you know, a tough division. So, um, but with Machado out, I mean, hopefully they're able to, uh, you know, gain some moment, get something going against them. Um, I'm unsure of like, I mean, it's four games, so they're going to face most of their rotation. I assume they're going to face... Uh, Joe Musgrove at some point, and he's been amazing this year. Um, but um, and last time they they struggled against you, Darvish, last time uh, a lot. And he's also been really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they definitely will have a chance against Blake Snell if they face him because Blake Snell has not been good. Um, but okay, I think my final answer is three and three. <laughs> I uh, I'm really I'm struggling with this one because. I feel like we're still waiting for some update about Eflin and that 
they, they've, they've said he's should be good to make his next start, but we don't know how many pitches he's going to be held to. We don't know if he's actually going to get out there on the mound until he does. We're talking about the Rangers sending out two good pitchers, a good Padres team. Hopefully Bryce Harper's back tomorrow, but we don't know what's up with his blister fully right. either. Yeah, that's infected. Ew. Yeah, you don't want to think <laughs> about it too much. Truly ew. Truly ew. <laughs> so I, I think three and three, I would be happy with that. The, o- the only prediction I'm going to make is that Austin Nola homers against Aaron Nola again. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just also want to throw this out there before I make my prediction. The look, NBC Sports Philly does great work. The headline today made me like viscerally, my stomach churned. The, the, it was Jim Salisbury said something like, uh, Bryce Harper struggled with many blisters before in his career, but not one like this. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> we're gonna put that one to bed. Um, yeah, that made me that made me uncomfy. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go shocker here. Uh, my optimism shines through. I'm gonna go a little bit stronger here. I think they take both games against Texas. Um, I think that uh, look, Martin Perez. I'm sorry, Cade is gonna regress at some point. It's gonna happen. There's no way he's gonna continue. Uh, pitching the way he has this season, and why not make tomorrow the day that it ends? Uh, I think and- his regression is going to come to start immediately after he faces the Phillies. Yeah, you're probably right. You're <laughs> probably right. But also, I think they'll be. I think they'll be a good match for Texas. Now, Corey Seager's hot. Marcus Simeon's back. I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. But I think I think it's time for some revenge there, um, especially given you know the momentum that they have going. Um, I think that the Padres series is Manny Machado is the backbone of that team. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to come down to pitching and I think it's going to come down to whether or not Bryce Harper is playing like Bryce Harper. Um, But if that's, if that's the case, I think they go four and two on this one. I think, uh, I think it'll be, you know, they're, they're probably going to lose to like Joe Musgrove and uh, I don't know. They'll show up tardy against some, I don't know, pitcher somewhere, but I, I I think it's going to be a good, a good six game stretch. I think they'll, they'll continue the, the positivity, which would be great. Speaking into existence. Declan, what do you think? I'll go three and three. It's just safe bet. (laughs) It's it's the safest bet. I feel like it's either going to be three and three or it's going to be two and four again. It's just, I don't know why they're both, they're two difficult teams. Again, Padres, uh, Machado could be out. But I always feel like they're still a really good offensive team. And there's just figure what, who do we have then? Because we have what, uh, Wheeler? I'm trying to think of who we have in the Rangers series. It's Wheeler and... Uh, uh, Gibson, because he's facing yeah, uh, his yeah. former team. Yeah. Gibson, get, Wheeler. Like, you guys are. Yeah. So then it would still leave us with the back three there, or the other three pitchers. So, I mean, we'd have some better options you would have Aaronola and then what that'd be Wheeler finishing the series or he would appear in the series again so yeah I'm still gonna stick with three and three optimistic that we're gonna pull at least just something out of series that should be difficult I don't know I'm feeling that it's gonna be important for us to keep the momentum going uh just trying to just keep making up progress here in that at least so I'm going to go four and two. Um, Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I think that the Rangers sweep the Phillies and the Phillies sweep. I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, <laughs> I would honestly be okay with that though. Yeah. yeah I right. would too. <laughs> um, no, this upcoming series with the Rangers, it's, it's the series that I was born for, right? It's, it's what I live for. Um, so I really do think that the Phillies pull both out against the Rangers for a couple of reasons. Um, Martin Perez, I've watched that guy pitch, uh, for eight years, uh, every single night when he was with the Rangers the first time, you know, homegrown boy. And to be completely honest, I cannot believe what he's doing right now because he's not this type of pitcher. Yeah. The bleep out, Lawrence. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. And you've already seen the potential start of the regression begin after his last start. 
um, really his last two starts. Um, and so I think that he comes in to a start against the Phillies who have, what is it, the fourth best offense in the NL. Uh, this is a very tough uh, Phillies offense that he is going to have to face. Um, and I think that the Phillies are going to tack some runs on to him. I guess well, this game released tomorrow. So today, right. Um, and on top of that, the Rangers just struggled against a very not good Detroit Tigers team. And so I think that they're coming home and they're not in the best hex space. They don't have any momentum coming into this series. And that is momentum for every team is important, but momentum for your team when you're coming in to face the Phillies is extremely important. So I think that there's a lot of favorables for the Phillies going into this. And then John Gray, he's kind of hit or miss, but he's also a picture that I think the Phillies can go and tack some runs off of, and we've seen that before. Um, and then you kind of look at the Padres, and I think that the Phillies play the Padres very well. They did it last year. They do it every time. It's one of those that, quite honestly, it doesn't matter who's on the mound for which team. I really think it can – you go into every game going, this is a 50-50 game. And when you've got four games, I think you go, this is a 50-50 series, and the Phillies take two and the Padres take two. And you end this, again, this dogfight of a week at four and two, and that's a huge positive. Now, of course, you're still going to have, like, you know, the old white guys on Facebook that are complaining that, you know, Rob Thompson isn't, you know, 29-1 and one in June. But, hey, you know, you, you got to look at this as, you know, yeah, you got to look at it a little bit more uh, intelligently than that. And you come away, you know, four and two. I, I, I think that would be very good for the Phillies. All right. And now, I think we should talk about the. Uh, there was a picture that surfaced on social media, uh, on Bryce Harper's Instagram, to be exact, of uh, of the uh, Phillies dressed in some wonderful, uh, wonderful attire as they got on the plane to Texas. And uh, I just think we got to pay our respects to Don Thompson, uh, you know, the the mafia boss that is Rob Thompson. Uh, that man was styling, looking like the penguin. Uh, I mean, truly looking like a crime boss with his gaggle of goons behind him. And, uh, I loved it. I think it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. I, I saw someone talking about, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was you, Leo. It probably wasn't you, but someone was saying like, there was like what there's like one person in the background of the picture that's like walking onto the plane and uh, they're like, who is that? And the only person that isn't in the picture that's on the active roster is Corey Knable. Why was he, why was he not in it? I didn't want this to be a drama segment. <laughs> oh, I'm like, no. That's a good point. Um, but I did see Leo tweet about Garrett Stubbs, who is his Phillies crush. And he did. He oh, was yeah. looking so cute. <laughs> Love me some Garrett stuff. Um, yes, it was. It was not me talking about the guy getting on the plane. Who now I think I was I'm getting zo- it confused with your guard sub suite. And I'm zooming in. I'm trying to see if it could be Knable. I, I don't. I don't think so. I, ah. <laughs> I wouldn't know who it is. Uh, One thing I love about that photo in particular is whether you think he looks cool. You know, again, you know, whether you think he looks cool or ridiculous or. <laughs> out of place and again it doesn't really matter right the fact that we're talking about this and we're laughing about it you know that the players we're talking about you yes know and is this something that you would ever see joe girardi do absolutely joe no, girardi man. could never rock a fedora um no <laughs> i mean like he i would still show up in his baseball pants with his jersey tucked in and his cleats on going you know, like ready for the ball game tomorrow. Cause that's Kids, get on the plane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody take, get on there. Yeah, exactly. We don't take pictures on this team. What is this? 2022. Now this is 1965. We're here. To play <laughs> boys. Like, no, I mean, the fact that we're talking about, we're laughing about it. The players are talking about, it, they're laughing about it. it Again, it brings that extra camaraderie to the clubhouse. It it, it boosts the morale. It, it, all that thing, it all plays into it. I forget who it was. Someone tweeted, um, oh, it was uh, oh Dan something. Um, he used to be a, a Navy guy. Um, he said, you know, I used to think that Girardi was about 20% of the problem, even after he got 
canned. He goes, and now I'm starting to think that he was 75 to 80% of the problem. Yeah. And yeah. Feels that I, way. It just feels that way. And I, it's again, crazy. it really is. And I think this picture like perfectly exemplifies what Thompson is bringing to the team. The vibe it, shift is just, yeah. And it's it a really, complete 180. With every day that goes on, it really starts to feel more and more like, you know, again, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted with, you know, the firing Girardi won't solve anything camp. Um, Cause you know, go back in our podcast episodes from pre the firing. We were all just talking about that. There just needs to be a morale shift. There needs to be a morale shift. Now this is niche. Anyone ever been to a bar mitzvah? Sure. Uh, Nobody. I, I have. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Or an eighth grade dance. Take your pick. You know those photo booths. I've been to an eighth grade dance. You know, you know, you know those photo booths they have there, where, like, you know, you you can take those pictures and you can put them in the in the different frames. You um, hold up props and, and stuff. yeah, you get to, and you get to take them home. <laughs> tell me, tell me that picture doesn't give off major eighth grade dance bar mitzvah photo booth vibes. I mean, <laughs> like you know those pictures like of the the one kid whose bar mitzvah it is, and then all the girls at the party like surround that kid <laughs> and they take the picture come on rob yeah, thompson like is a, getting bar mitzvah and the phillies are all the women that are at the party like that's that just sweet, what it is sweet 16 that, type of vibes as well that that's his, he doesn't even hit eighth grade yes he's got oh no no, <laughs> no! don't say him out like that <laughs> anyway but that's man, the first thing i, I just, thought of <laughs> Last week, man, I I just can't win. Last week it was my hair. You got a haircut? Yeah, last week it was my hair. Like, I'm looking at your hair. A haircut. Like, literally one. <laughs> a singular. Singular. Yeah, I got, yeah. Yeah, and then this week, it's my facial hair. I guess I'll shave, I'll shave, like, 15 minutes beforehand. We're going to do speed round of who is our Philly of the week. Who wants to go first? Ooh. Oh, um, I'll go first. Go ahead, yeah, Declan. Declan. Go first. <laughs> it's Reese and it's Hoskins. speed round, so we it's, gotta be. It's Reese Hoskins. I just think <laughs> offensive. Just, I uh, he was he went hand and toe batting average or like uh, the split. He went with Bryce Harper. It's just, but he nearly tripled his RBI or his runs. It's just raw offensive output. When he's hot, he's hot. I I want to pick Hoskins so badly too. He's my guy. I'm so happy for him. But Leo, you know who week, to pick. It's Nola. It's Aaron Nola. Oh, I, what, what I that is not who I thought you were going to say. Not me either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, he's, Nola had two really, really incredible starts this week. Yeah. And as much as I want to congratulate Garrett Stubbs for the moment of the week, if that's the, that's the one. Yeah, yeah that's that was who I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Aaron Nola was too good to pick anyone else. I can't let myself. I think... I think honestly, I got to give it to Garrett Stubbs. I got to give it to him. I, I, I just, I, I tweeted about this a little bit earlier, but like the guy, he's a small package, but he walks up to Frank Sinatra and he, he's just a gritty baseball player. He plays multiple positions. How can you not adore the man? Uh, he's, he's great. I love him. He's an amazing, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that he is having such a great, introduction to the philadelphia phillies lauren how about you um i know he didn't have like the best week but i'm gonna go with nick castellanos because i think he is on the verge of getting hot you're right um and i think part of it is because he started doing he started wearing his socks like I think he's trying to go for like a change, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of it. I think he's going to, I think he's going to do well on the short trip. Well, since uh, Reese Hoskins was kind of already picked, I think that, you know, obviously you look at him, but I'm going to go with Matt Veerling. I think he's really kind of put himself. Yeah. In, Good choice. Uh, yeah. I think he's really put himself in a conversation of a guy that can help in the lineup. He plays uh, the outfield uh, defensively very well he can play the infield I mean he I mean he had what six balls hit at him at second base which he hasn't played in years and you know feel them all perfectly he played you know I think he played third base at one point too yep. I mean he's just been playing all over the diamond he's doing what the team's asking him to do he's doing it in the lineup he's doing it at the bottom of the lineup I mean 
He's a guy that has really turned into exactly what the Phillies have asked him to be, and he's doing it well, and he really showcased his versatility this week. So, I mean, like, congratulations to him. Top eighth percentile, by the way, in the major leagues in average exit velocity still. Well, hard. So he's just got to elevate a little bit more. That's always kind of been the thing that he has to work on. He's always hit the ball hard. He's just got to get off the get off the ground a little bit more and get into the air. So, uh, well, guys, that was an awesome podcast. You know, I'm really looking forward to what this week brings for the Phillies. Uh, again, I, I'm I'm loving it that they're playing the Rangers. I love that all five of us, you know, we're on here today, and and Lauren and Declan, Alex, Leo, and myself, Kate Kistner. So once again, guys. Thank you for listening to the Inside the Phillies podcast. Go Phils!